0: Welcome to You Can't Make This Up, where we uncover the true stories behind your favorite Netflix documentaries and films. I'm your host, Rebecca Lavoie. On today's episode, we take a closer look at the documentary, Found. When
1: you're little, like you grow up in like your perfect little bubble.
0: You grow up around all these like white people and like it's just who you think you are. And then like you realize you're different. Today we're talking to director Amanda Lippitz and producer Anita Guo. China's one-child policy ran from 1980 to 2015. As a result, countless infants were given up for adoption. Many left anonymously at government buildings or at the side of the road. Found tells the story of three teens adopted from Chinese orphanages by American parents. Lily, Chloe, and Sadie struggle with the unanswered questions of their adoptions but find solace in each other when their DNA tests show that they're cousins. Though they live very different lives all over the country, they bond over long-distance video chats. Seeking more information about their identities, the three enlist the help of Leo Hao, a researcher in Beijing who tries to track down their birth parents. All four meet for the first time in China for an emotional journey of self-discovery. It
1: was very difficult for me because you know you are not welcome.
0: You are in a wrong gender. They don't want you and you know that. We're talking to director Amanda Lippitz and producer Anita Guo. Welcome to You Can Make This Up. Thank you so much. We're excited to be here. Thank you for having us. I cried watching your film more than I have ever cried watching any film in the history of my film viewership in my entire life. And I am 47 (laughs) years old, for whatever that means. Um, Did you know when you were making this that this was going to be, for lack of a better word, such a journey? Anita, can you answer that question first, please? Well,
2: you know, the beauty of documentaries is you go in and it's a mystery for everybody. Um, what, where you're going to go and what the outcome is. I think we knew going into it that it was going to be full of emotions, right? Like that was going to be unavoidable. Um, but I mean, even now when we watch it, I, when I watch it, or even when, I, when we first saw the first cut of the trailer, we still get really emotional. Um, so I'm, I'm uh, glad that people are connecting with it that way.
1: I mean, I would say that when you're crying, it's pretty much a 90% chance that I'm sitting next to my camera crying while it's happening live. For viewers who don't know, Chloe, the young bat mitzvah girl at the beginning of the movie is my niece. So I have a very personal connection and there are many moments where I'm watching this as an aunt and not as a filmmaker.
0: Yeah. So you are Chloe's aunt, something that I didn't know when I first started watching the film. Were you planning on telling her story for longer than you were working on this project? Um, No. I mean, honestly, we're
1: all a little like shocked that it's on Netflix, to be honest, because when we started it, it just started with my brother telling me that he was having Chloe's bat mitzvah at the wall in Jerusalem and just that image of my beautiful niece surrounded by our big Jewish family at the wall in Jerusalem and all the hands that had to, you know, have touched her along the way in order to make that moment happen. And so I asked if I could film the bat mitzvah. Um, and at the same time, uh, my brother, around the same time, my brother had told me they had found a blood cousin online. So I thought there was a story there, but I also, I wasn't sure, and I didn't want to get my family's hopes up that it was going to be this big movie.
0: Hmm. This film is about so many things, and one of those things is that cultural tension, and the film does start there, and I will tell you, one of my favorite scenes in the film is this scene on the bus on the way to the cross-country meet. Like, how were you found? Like, would someone deliver you?
1: Oh, I was found on um, a busy street. I have a picture, but I really don't. Sorry? Someone took a picture? Yeah, they're there. Exploring Guangzhou. I was found on a bench. On a bench. In, in like a busy marketplace. Oh my God.
0: You know, you sort of pan across the bus and you have the other kids just sort of looking at these two girls like, What are they talking about? And just sort of the normal dialogue. You know, I was found here and I was found here. And that cultural tension of being an American, of going to a Jewish school, of being bat mitzvahed, of of, you know, the white parents who are in a variety of of Christian faiths and being Jewish and, and having all these American cultural experiences like that could have been a film by itself. Were you thinking about that when you were making this, Amanda? Absolutely. I mean, the moment my brother told
1: me that they had found a cousin, he described her as, and she lives in Nashville and she's Baptist. And it was Chloe's cousin living this completely different life from her. And then when we met Lily in this giant Catholic family, um, I just, you know, these are the moments in the documentary where you're like, okay, I have to keep going. Okay. We have to keep going. Okay. Let's go to the next step. Okay. This story must be told. And, um, You know, I also felt strongly about it because Asian American women are the most underrepresented group in film and television. And that was also definitely um, a force for me in terms of making sure the girls' Mm. stories were told.
0: Now, we do start with stories from Chinese nannies. Now, we should say they're, they're called nannies. That's the name for these women who take care of babies and orphanages in China, uh, explaining how an overwhelming number of orphans came to them as a result of the one child policy, which ended in 2015. Can one of you summarize the origins of that policy and, and why it was thought to be necessary in China?
2: I think at the time, you know, China was going through tremendous change. And um, unfortunately, there was, I think, a disconnect between population growth and the resources needed to feed a growing country. Um, and so the policy was first introduced as a way to curb um, population growth, you know. And, and, you know, I think now in hindsight, we see all the unintended effects of it at the at the. Its origin, I think the intention was very much to, you know, um, try and uh, protect the circumstances of the citizens. And I think for us in telling the story, we, it was important to set up the backdrop of what led to, you know, um, the, the girls in their lives today and their encounters with each other. At the same time, you know, it, it gave us an opportunity to um, hopefully show the other side of the story, the other perspective from, um, you know, the potential birth parents that we met on the ground in China and just, again, talk about the human side of the policy. Right. I think, you know, so often we from afar just look at statistics and, you know, results, um, but we kind of forget to think about the people who experienced it. And so, again, the this journey allowed us to um, hopefully give a window into that.
0: I was really incredibly moved by all of the parents that we met in the film in China who are living with this incredible amount of grief uh, over the kids that they gave up. Um, and it's something that we don't think about here in the West, right? The story that we're told is that this is a policy that disproportionately affected girls. First of all, that that's accurate, right? That it disproportionately yeah. affected yeah. girls?
2: Yep. It was very accurate.
0: Yes. Yeah, so yeah. But that that is the story that we've gotten here in the United States is that and, and we don't get the story of of the human toll of the devastation, not just on, you know, the young girls and women who have been adopted and then who are living with you know this as part of their legacy, but on the parents who lived through this as well. That was,
1: you know, a, a huge motivating factor for me. I I love to tell the human stories, the stories of the heart and, you know, I, I also f- saw that the girls um, felt unwanted. And I couldn't imagine that to be true, that they were unwanted. And I, I was so um, interested in their perspective. I was also very interested and we were so, you know, it was so amazing to organically get the perspective of a young woman growing up in China during the policy and Liu Hao Um, and to see the effects of it from her side. Um, so what, what we, what I, I love about Leo Hao and what she brought to the the film is she, you know, found these um, people because they found her, they were looking, they were open to this. They were searching for their children. They were listening to neighbors and looking at ads, Um, And I think Deborah says it best. You know, these parents, they want to find their children. And more than anything, I'm a parent myself. I have three kids. You want to know they're okay. You want to know that they're okay. I don't think any of them are expecting like some, it it didn't feel like they were like expecting this like unbelievable relationship. I think it's so heartbreaking when the dressmaker says, she speaks English, I don't speak English. You know, they just want to know. And this is another reason why we named the film this, that they were found.
0: You know, the dressmaker talks in particular about how she doesn't think her daughter would ever forgive her. Uh, Anita, was this a common feeling? Did you get the sense when, you know, you were probably probably saw more interviews than than we saw, um, you know, in the final cut of the film? Is that common? Do you think that parents in China feel that the kids who that they gave up that were adopted won't forgive them or, or is there more of a sense of hope than, than we know?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we, again, we, we met a, a, a lot of, um, you know, potential birth parents that reached out and, and uh, again, there was such a, the policy had a very sweeping effect, right? So I don't want to speak on behalf of, you know, everyone. Um, I'm sure everybody's was different, but from what we encountered and also what Leo House talks about in the film too, is that, you know, the, the events, um, were of course deeply uh, traumatic and emotional, and um, you know was was left with a lot of shame, right? As well around the circumstances. Um, so I, I think in that mixture of emotions, I'm sure it, it can get very complicated with, you know, um, having the desire to want to reach out, want to find them, want to know they're okay. But at the same time, knowing that the decisions they've made in the past, you know, have altered the way their relationship could ever happen if there ever was to be one. Um, You know, again, it's just a very complicated mix of emotional circumstances, you know, for both sides, right? Um, But I think hopefully, um, even through the, you know, folks that we we were able to meet and speak to, there is an understanding that um, these were really, really tough decisions made during quite impossible circumstances, right? But at the core of it, there is a desire to hopefully still give their kids, you know, a, a better life than they could have at the time, right? And then on, on the girls' side, and, you know, sort of what they represent is sort of the, the desire to to know that sentiment as well, to, to sort of answer that that, you know, piece of the puzzle for them as well.
0: Now Chloe, Sadie and Lily's adoptive parents were all in the film and they participated. They went to China, they supported their kids when they're decision making and all the things that they wanted to do. The focus of the film isn't their feelings about their daughter's journey and you know that that could have been a focus, but I I love that you really chose you know, to focus on the girls and their journey. But were there conversations that we didn't see where were the parents, I mean, there was a little bit of it, I think, where we saw, you know, some of that parental struggle, especially in relation to divorce and in relation to like whether or not you fulfilled the promise of the life that, that you that you said you were going to give when you when you adopted, you know, your child. But, you know, were there conversations about, you know, the difficulties of being an adoptive parent and having your child you know, want to embark on this journey of searching for the truth of their origins. Did that Did that come up at all while you were filming this documentary? Um, I think the parents were, like, wanting to be as supportive of as
1: possible. Nobody ever expressed. They, they all were so incredible, and we I learned so much from them, watching them be there when they needed to be there and also step back when the girls needed to do something on their own. And I think a perfect example of that is, when Chloe's at the lunch with her nanny and she starts to cry and then nanny grabs her and hugs her. She was like kind of the closest thing I had to a mother at the time. It was like, it's really nice to know that she loved me and like, like was able to take care of me out of like hundreds of babies in the orphanage. I feel like it's just so big and like, she took care of me and I don't, like, I don't know what it's like to like, I don't know. Her mother, my sister-in-law comes and just puts her hand on her shoulder. She doesn't interfere in this moment that Chloe needed to have with this woman. She just lets her know, I'm right here. Like I'm not going anywhere, but you have, you should hug this woman. So I think that was the tone of all the parents. And I'm crying talking about it. So it's, this is what I'm telling you. Like, you're crying. Like, I'm definitely crying right there with you.
0: This is the thing about this film is that I'm crying <laughs> listening to you talking about it and talking about you crying. This is and this is genuine. I'm sorry. Anyone who's listening to this who's not watched this film who thinks that I am being histrionic, I am not. <laughs> This is what this film is. I cannot talk about this film without getting emotional. It is, but it's a good kind of crying. It's not like, it's not the bad kind. If that makes sense. If
2: that makes sense. It's like, it's so joyful. Yeah. We like to think that it can be cathartic, right? That, you know, especially now more than ever, I think we're always, we recognize more than ever the, the power of connection of family, of being with each other. And, So much of those sentiments came through during the course of making this film. I mean, you know, Amanda spent more time with the parents than I did because I joined the project, you know, a little bit into the filming process. But getting to go to China with all of them and and seeing how they all, I think, had this openness to them that also translated into the openness in the girls where they, they sort of, you know, influence each other in that way and allowed each other to be open to this experience together. So, yeah, I think it's again, it's we can't deny that it. it's been emotional um, and we've been getting that kind of response. But I think also in the midst of that, it's a lot of this potential to heal, the potential to sort of access some emotions that you have haven't before. Yeah, it's everyone needs a good cry once in a while. <laughs>
0: Can you just talk a little bit about the personalities of the three girls? Because they really do pop. They're very different. Of course, they're related. They live in different parts of the country. They've grown up very differently. And um, if you were to describe each one of them very briefly and just give me, like, the character brief...
1: Anita, you wanted. T- I always take this question, so I'm like interested to hear Anita do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, me too. I would love to because, <laughs> yeah.
2: again, one of the first things that drew me to this project was like the smattering of girlhood that we get through mm. portraying these three girls and juxtaposing their experiences. Um, you know, I think Chloe, who's Amanda's niece, I, I mean, um, you know, if you. Uh, have seen any sort of recent press that we've done? You know, she ever since the trip ended, she's uh, decided to buzz her head, and now has this like really what I I mean I I so admire her look that her new look, and um, she has this sort of um, really I would describe even like kind of punk approach to life to her, and she's so funny, and um, she uh, I think they call kind of call her like the little one of the group because she is the youngest. Um, a little bit younger than Sadie. And whereas Sadie is, I, you know, she's just, um, she's always the one that's like cracking all of us up. She's so happy-go-lucky, um, so funny. Um, and then once in a while, she'll say something that just like, shocks us with how wise beyond her years she is um so she's full of surprises that way and then lily um you know she's about four years older than the other girls but you know so she's sort of naturally taken on this like older sister role um again she's so loving and so um caring to the girls but also everybody around her like she again like as Amanda said we've all established this really amazing relationship between the crew and the families and um so Lily um I think brings so much warmth to the group dynamic um mm. and I'll talk about Leo How too because again like she kind of became our fourth girl through the making of the film well- She's a superhero, yeah, right? She's absolutely. a superhero, she's a
0: detective She is incredible
2: Yeah, and then it was just magical When we all finally got to China together And the girls all met With the Ohioan person for the first time And like, right away They all clicked, they all just became Like sisters together It was like we breathed a sigh of relief, you know, like <laughs> we couldn't have forced that, that, you know, our, our subjects could get along that way. And yeah, and then again, uh, Liu Hao is of course older than all the girls, but she um, having this special connection with them, I think was able to kind of serve as that um, emotional guide, as well as the the guide on the ground in terms of China, in terms of the, the search. Um, but she was really kind of, um, so sensitive and astute to the girls and their feelings and and understanding how tough the journey was and so again seeing them bond um in the two weeks that we spend together there uh was was really special for all of us
0: we say it was like watching them fall in love yeah yeah it's a love story it really was and in many ways Mm -hmm. speaking of leo how she is an extraordinary person she's not just a genealogical researcher she is a detective She's an emotional caretaker. She talks about loving her job, but it's more than that, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, we only, when we started working with Leo Hao, we just knew she was from the same hometown. As the girls, we didn't really know for very much about her personal life, and you know, when we were on the bridge that day it was the first time, Anita was right there with me and our other producer Jane Zhang, and You know, we were all there and it was, you know, we were blown away by this story. A lot of my relatives, they just gave up their children, their girls. And my parents, they almost gave up me because they don't want to pay the penalty. But I'm very lucky because my grandparents, they say, no, we want to keep her. You know, we joke it was like the documentary gods, you know, they come down and they say, you know, this isn't just a film. This is something that these women need in their lives. Like they were, it just felt like they were destined to meet and they needed to know each other to heal. And um, just the strength that it took for Leo Howe to take it on and then her resolve to lead them on this journey of self-discovery and to you know it was really important to her and to all of us that it not be so focused on finding birth parents that was more about finding yourself and healing and she really gave that to
2: us and hopefully it comes across in the film but you know true to real life like she she is so passionate about her work not just because of um, you know, she's very skilled at the investigation process, but I think she truly understands, um, again, like the human impact. Right. And, and um, you know, when we were on the ground meeting with the potential birth parents, uh, she, again, served as our guide in that process in, you know, approaching the the parents, building the trust with these families, um, letting them know that they were, you know, sort of speaking in a safe space with her. And she always sort of put her heart on her sleeve that way and and, and kind of, you know, met them at the same level and allowed them to speak their stories to her because she also opened up um, herself to them that way. Um, So it was just like uh, so inspiring to watch her work and for us to just sort of be there to witness that um i don't think we could have gotten you know as i think as intimate with these families and and gotten you know them to share their stories this way without Leo how having sort of taken the lead in building that safe environment with them you know for them to to share with us
0: probably you know one of the most moving scenes in the documentary is around uh Mr. Chen and his family and you know when the news is delivered that Lily is not you know, his daughter, which, by the way, as an aside, when we first see his daughter, I thought as a viewer, 100 percent, that's Lily's sister. I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot, but it's hard to not think that. Oh, no, we thought that 100
1: yeah. percent. And his house was like 10 minutes from her finding place. So it was right, definitely in our minds. And when I when we went there for the first time, I was. I just couldn't stop staring at her.
0: It it was it was the resemblance was incredible, uh, which is why that scene really, I think, landed so much harder and why it wasn't a trick and it wasn't manipulative in any way for it to be so much harder to watch and so much more moving. Can you just talk about that and talk about what it meant for all of those girls to, to go and deliver that news along with Leo Howe?
1: You know in our planning of China Leo Hao was adamant that the girls did she ask the girls to go with her when they went to the Chen since they would be with her cuz geographically it was just how it was made the most sense to get her back to the Chens it was also going to li- the day we would go see Lily's finding place so the girls would be there and she was pretty adamant about it and I was be, to be honest, uncomfortable with it. I didn't know if it was, um, you know, we always put like the girl's emotional health above any filmmaking, you know, we just wanted them to be okay. And so I was a little nervous that it would be too intense of an experience, but I, you know, Leo Howe was our guide and I, I was not going to interfere with her, you know, just, she also wanted what was best for the girls so I trusted in her that she knew what was best so when she presented it to them on the bus I was kind of sitting back you know watching through the lens and I would say this is a very good moment of being an aunt and not a filmmaker when Chloe sits down and says Hey girls I think that this family would be very grateful to have meet all of us and especially you because like even though you're not their biological daughter they'll feel connected to you because all of our families went through similar stories and um like pressures in society to like have to give up their daughter and like even though you're not their daughter it's um it's still a connection with someone who knows the other half of their story she just goes into this monologue about why they should go that was so genuine and so smart and so wise beyond her ears and showed that they needed to do this. They acted that they was right. This would be healing for them. It was going to be hard, but it would be healing. And um, I was so proud of her in that moment because that was when Lily said, okay, as long as you'll all be
0: with me. So you observed the three cousins finally meeting up and then hanging out for a couple of weeks on a bus. Did they, hang out on the bus, did they seem more like friends for that time, or did they come to seem like family to you on that trip? Oh,
1: they're definitely family. I mean, Lily and Sadie are like my nieces now, too. And I was just saying, like, my mom, Chloe's grandmother, wrote, texted all the girls. We had the, a big premiere in New York, and we had an Asian Society screening, and everyone came to New York. Lily and Sadie had never been there before. And we had billboard in Times Square and we went to a Broadway show and we just had this amazing time. And my mom texted all the girls and she said, pick your weekend, you're coming to my house, my treat. Like, you know, we just, I think everyone in the family just feels like we're all family. Lily's cousins and aunts were there, Sadie's uncle and aunt were there and her siblings. So it's really, it, it does go, go to show that we all are connected. You know, we are just one big human family in this world. And we, I think after the last couple of years, we just need to be reminded of that.
0: Amanda, although Leo Howe couldn't find the girls' biological parents, she did track down the nannies that took care of each of the girls. Were you surprised that with the hundreds or thousands of babies that these nannies have taken care of, that they so clearly remembered? Each of these girls? I mean, I guess
1: my first instinct was like, how are they going to remember them if they took care of 30 babies? But then if you think about it, it wasn't just like a couple months. This was like 15 months, 16 months. These These girls were brought in as newborns and they were there for like a year and a half. So if you're taking care of a baby every day for a year and a half, I think you know that baby. I really do. I I just, Mm -hmm. you know that baby. And um, I also think, let's say maybe, maybe they've got Sadie confused with somebody else. Who cares? They needed to be remembered and they needed to remember and it's okay, you know? Like they needed to hear it. Um, I mean, I got chills when we found out that Lily lived in the nanny's house and she brought us into the room and we saw pictures of the room and she said, this is where Lily slept. And she said to us when we were there without Lily and I thought, you know, the first time I ever met Lily is that first interview where she says, you know, 13 months doesn't sound like a lot to you, but it's a lot to me and to be able to have her have that moment to say i slept in this room this was my room this is where i slept this is the person who took care of me
2: um
1: that was a big deal
2: yeah i was remembering that too and that was such a special discovery um along the process because um you know the, the the nanny had to bring some of the um babies back from the orphanage to her house to take care of them because they were so overwhelmed, right? And even her her mom helped take care of them. And I think that just that that alone spoke volumes about how much again, it's borrowing Leo House words in the film um where she called the nannies the frontline warriors, right? That they were um they gave so much care and attention and everything they could to to the you know, to the babies that were in the orphanages and I think that doesn't go away. And I think that sentiment that we wanted to, you know, Amanda opens the film up with, with, you know, the nannies wondering what happened to them, you know, what if um, if they're well and if, will they ever meet again? I think that that uh, continued emotional connection um, is, is at the heart of the story, um, you know, between all the parties involved, right? It's from day one that there's something of a special bond that, um, no matter how it comes back, you know, they, it's still there.
0: Anita, I loved hearing that Lily was also not the best baby.
2: That was also like, (laughs) yeah, it was um, really adorable to hear her. And again, like, you know, hearing her say that we were like, she remembers so much in detail and, and seeing how Lily and Deborah absorbed that too was, Um, really amazing
1: she said something that didn't make the film she said that Lily like would tangle herself in the sheets and every morning like she would be like wrapped her legs and her arms would be all wrapped up in the sheets and Deborah was like yes like she did that all the time she still does that she's always tangled in the sheets so those little moments were definitely we thought we you know it just felt very you know authentic to us
0: well, that's proof, right? Mm-hmm. She remembers she's talking about the same baby. Yeah. I'm curious about the challenges of filming in China. You know, you are filming a documentary and you're actually shining light on a policy that doesn't make, you know, Chinese government look great. Were there challenges there? I mean, do you have to work through any red tape or any challenges when you're filming a documentary like this in China?
2: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think going into it, first of all, we knew that if we were going to take the, you know, three families and the American crew and and basically like 25 people to China together, that we better have, um, you know, everything as buttoned up as possible. Right. So I think going into it, and again, it's a testament to how great our team was on the ground in China. Um, You know, we were able to think um work with all the relevant organizations and, and secure all the permits we needed and I think it was helped also by two things, which is one, the policy is now, you know, it's it's a thing of the past now, a recent past for sure, but it's not current anymore. And so I think there's been a gradual attitude shift towards sort of reconciling with it and even on the ground in China you know like the organization we worked with to do the investigation um, called My China Roots they're one of many many different Chinese organizations that do this kind of work that, that help try and unite, reunite families or go on sort of ancestry tours and things like that so that was that was sort of helpful in um, sort of um, softening the uh, our approach and also I think because we, our focus on the story was all about the girls, right? And all about their journey. And yes, the policy is in the backdrop and sort of unavoidable that way. But ultimately, I think Amanda's angle of approach in telling the story was about, you know, highlighting the human connection of it all. And so that very much helped us. Again, like we were so, um, we were very sort of transparent and open and, and very detailed with all our plans, you know, on the ground with the shooting, um, with the filming. So because of the way we, we, we were approaching telling the story, I think, um, yeah, we, we were able to, you know, get all the permissions we needed to. And then, you Mm -hmm. know, all the challenges of making a film in China, I think is all the great challenges of making any documentary of wrangling the crew and, you know, navigating all the different languages. And, uh, we figured out our own very, um, handy kind of live translation system so Amanda could be interviewing the subjects right next to Leo Howe and she was talking to them. And it was a lot of thinking on the fly and, and trusting our crew and, and figuring things out.
0: How were you able to coordinate getting all that snow at the Great Wall just on that day where you were filming there? Congratulations on that, by the way. <laughs> you
2: were kind of surprised
0: when we saw snow there. A beautiful piece of filmmaking luck, right? well i do have another challenge i want to ask you about because i was something i was thinking about during the whole film i'm sure you had to go over many 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 hours of these uh three teenage girls chatting to each other over video chat i'm sure they weren't only talking about their feelings about being adopted and their trips to china i'm sure there's just a lot of like Teenage talk. Um, how much of that did you have to go through? How much of it was teenage talk, and how much of it was deep chat that you ended up including in the documentary? I mean,
1: I don't know if you have teenagers, but all my nieces and nephews. Oh, they I like, do. Okay, they like put their Facetimes on and like walk away. You know what I mean? And then they're just like there. Um, so there's a lot of that. Um, We had an incredible, incredible assistant editor, um, E Dream, and she. Oh, so you outsourced it. That's what I'm hearing. So she spent (laughs) a lot of time looking through, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, this thing happened or that thing happened. But there were a lot of them, and they. We also had a lot of technical issues with that stuff because the girls would save it on their phones and then email it to us and they'd have to have an iPad. I mean, the same way you have the voice we'd have to have the voice memo going and then they'd run out of storage because TikTok was taking up their storage or Snapchat or whatever. (laughs) So I would say the technical aspect of it was the hardest part.
0: I'll tell you, it, it wouldn't have been as good or as real or made me cry as much If they weren't hanging off their beds upside down while they were talking, because that's what made it. That's how you knew it was real. Right. That's how you knew it wasn't created for you for this film. That's Mm -hmm. how you knew it was them bonding, them connecting, them becoming family is really extraordinary, which makes me wonder. And I would love you both to address this. um, Do you think you got the ending for the girls that you hoped you would get when you started making this film?
1: I'm really happy with the ending of the film. Um, As soon as we found out about Amanda Phillips, I knew that that would be a coda. Um, And I just saw how that would go. And so I I knew that had to be like Leo Howe's button. One of the women we have tested came back as your birth mother. Wow. (laughs) Okay. OK. I I understand you may have uh, thousands of questions in your mind she
0: give birth to all daughters
1: like its all girls you know how old they are like um, that. but that really what the girls had found was each other and and then Sadie and we were we were editing it that way and then Sadie texted me her essay and I was like, oh God <laughs> Like any human, we all hope to have the fairy tale ending that we watch in these movies. Then I had a realization I might have been searching for the wrong family. Family are the people who make an effort to be there for you. Hi. How's oh it going? I haven't seen you. Yeah. They know, love, and accept me for who I am. So perhaps it's better that some things are left to be fairy tales. <laughs> gotta put this essay in. So we re um, with the essay and went down there. And um, I'm really proud of it because um, I think... You know, that's the the thing about this film and you've touched on it is, you know, it's the beauty of the teenage girl and teenage girls, you know, that are the way these three are. I don't know if they always get a chance to be heard, you know, um, where it's and they have suffered these, you know, silent traumas, but they are happy. They are loved. They have these beautiful lives. um, And it's really nice to see that. Um, and so I love the moments where they're just being teenage girls and my, one of my, you know, I, when Chloe's talking, she says like, it's she goes, it's just so big. I don't know. And I just, we just end with, I don't know. Like she doesn't know she's 16 years old, you know, she's going to change and grow. And so. For me, like this chapter, this is the perfect way to end the film. And I'm so excited to turn the cameras off and watch them grow up and continue these relationships and have their experiences change as they get married and have children and what they want changes. Um, So I know we're all, Anita, myself, our whole team um, are excited to watch what they do with their lives.
0: Yeah, you just did it to me again. Um, Crying again, guys.
2: Um, The
0: the film is found. Anita, Amanda, I'm just going to say, I think it's um, everyone's going to love it. I'm telling everyone to watch it. If you haven't seen it yet and you're listening to this podcast, run. Do not walk to your couch. Sit down with everyone you love. Press play, connect. You guys connected me to it. Uh, I can't thank you enough for making it and for talking to me about it. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us.
1: Thank you so much for having us.
0: That's it for this week's episode. Thanks again to Amanda Lippitz and Anita Guo. For more of my takes, check out my other podcast, Crime Writers On. Each week on that show, we break down the latest in true crime documentaries, films, podcasts, and pop culture. If you like You Can't Make This Up, please rate and review this show and share it with your friends. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And make sure to subscribe to the show to stay tuned for all new episodes. You Can't Make This Up is a production of Netflix. Our music is by Hansdale Sue. I'm Rebecca Lavoie. Thanks so much for listening.